On the show today, we've got three incredible guests. First up is Aaron Zek, star of the hit animated series Ruby. Then Nickelodeon's Drake Bell, who also voices Spider-Man. And then he's the leader of the band on The Late Late Show with James Corden. He's an incredible musician, improviser, and actor. It's the incredible Reggie Watts. It's going to be a great show. Don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the brand new episode of Benjamin Mayer Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and we do have a truly incredible lineup for the show today. We've got three guests, and uh, we're going to start today with Aaron Zek, who is an incredibly talented voice actress, and she is going to be appearing at Supernova this year in Adelaide and Brisbane, which, scarily, is only three weeks away. So, uh, first weekend of November, so I think that's the, um, the second, third, and fourth here in Adelaide, where I am based. And then the weekend after, so the I think it's the 9th, 10th, and 11th up in Brisbane. Tickets are on sale for Supernova right now. You can get those. There's a whole host of incredible talent, obviously, including Aaron Zek and also Drake Bell, who we're going to hear from later on. And uh, then there's just uh, there's Bonnie Wright, who played Ginny in the Harry Potter series. And if you uh, head down to the Adelaide one, there is also going to be a very special Phoenix Files audio drama panel. And that's going to feature myself and uh, some of the other wonderful team who have been working on that. And we will talk a little bit about Phoenix Files and what's coming out about that later on. But first up, here's my chat with the incredible Aaron Zek from Ruby. Enjoy. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. <laughs> now, what inspired you to pursue a career in the performing arts? Well, I've, I've always been the performing child ever since I was... I don't. I couldn't even tell you. It was itty bitty. I was in theater and I was in musicals and I did choir and and all kinds of things like that. Um, I was always that weird little one who was making weird accents and weird voices with all of her friends. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that I could actually make a career of it. So it's just kind of always been there. And from that point, how did you go about realizing your goal? How did you get into the industry professionally? Um, it was actually Ruby, the show that I'm promoting here today. Um, back when I was in college, um, just about all of my friends worked at this company called Brewster Teeth. And because of that, I made friends with the uh, creator of the show, Ruby, uh, Monty Ohm. And he knew that I had this history in um, or background in musical theater and in theater and, and had this project that he wanted me to audition for. And it was Blake Belladonna when Ruby. It just kind of fell into place from there. Um, three years later, I moved to Los Angeles and, and started working on other things like Red vs. Blue and Lethal Weapon and that kind of fun stuff. And what was that first audition process like for Ruby? What was the audition process? It was pretty much like... <laughs> I guess, like any other audition process, just a little bit more on the the friendlier side, the colloquial side, because it was their first voiceover thing. They didn't really have um, an official process, Um, and it's definitely changed now. There was a very official process with Genlock and with Red vs. Blue and everything, Um, but it's just popping into a booth and... And having fun with the character and seeing if we fit with it. And when you're given a character, how do you go about creating a voice? Oh, gosh. I, like, for auditions across the board, I, I just read the, the 
the character guidelines and um, read what the audition piece actually is. And it just kind of clicked. Um, occasionally, I'll, I'll mess with it a couple of times just to perfect it, but I've it's kind of just something that I've always been able to do is to see a character or read a character and just kind of put something, put a voice to it. And as you do more and more voice work, do you start to worry about differentiating your voices between characters so people don't recognize you as an actor? No, not at all, because Blake actually sounds quite a bit like me. If not, she she does have my voice. She just has a different cadence to it. Um, it is very exciting, though, when people don't realize that I voice something. Um, like Dr. Emily Gray in Red vs. Blue, she's a very very different voice and character to um, then Blake. So when people find out that I voice uh, Dr. Gray and they like that character, just didn't realize that I voiced it, it's a very exciting thing because it just makes me feel like I'm doing my job that much better. And, and Ruby is adored by fans all over the world. Did you ever envisage the show would become anywhere as popular as it has become? I had no idea. Um, I was still in college back when they started um, making Ruby, our first table read. I was actually still studying abroad in France, and I had to do the table read via Skype. Um, but I, I thought that it would just be like a fun side project that I was doing just to kind of get out that creative uh, flow that I needed to because I was always that artistic kid. Um, and it, it, it exploded. And we're, we're working with DC. We're working with Scholastic. We're in uh, Japan with WB. It's, it's just absolutely taken off, and I wasn't expecting it at all. And Volume 6 is coming out very shortly. What can fans expect from that? Uh, well, Ruby, the team, is back together, which is very exciting. Um, I'll be meeting some new people and learning learning a bit more of what everyone wants to learn. Um, but other than that, I can't really say too, too much. Fair enough. And what's been your favorite episode of Ruby to record so far? Oh, goodness. Um, I think the one, well, gosh, I don't know. There's so many different um, kinds of scenes. You've got the sad scenes, you've got the happy scenes. Um, I really enjoyed the one with... Um, Yang and Blake in that classroom where they needed a good yelling at each other. I enjoyed when Blake finally talked to her dad. Um, and I really enjoyed uh, recording a scene just two days ago for this next volume. And uh, if you were in, in charge of the, the writing of the show, what would you like to see Blake do in the future? Oh, gosh. Um, I'd like to see her and Yang get together. <laughs> I know it def- it should, there should be more than just relationships involved in, in a show. And I'm very proud of Ruby, the show, um, for not just focusing on relationships. And it's all about personal growth. But I'm a very basic human being, and I would love to see them get together and have a, a wonderful bisexual representation for everybody. That would be fantastic. Now, uh, you've been working in the entertainment industry for quite a while now. How do you think the industry has evolved since you first started working? Oh, that is a very big question, my friend. Um, I, I think, it, well, in terms of the representation, actually, there's been a, a huge shift um, in, in, like, with sexuality, 
and with gender identification and with um, race and, and all kinds of things. Like everyone, it's, it's now become a, less of a, like a white, um, super attractive male and female heterosexual world and become more of a, more of a rainbow with, <laughs> if you will, of um, representation. It's diverse. It's everyone's got someone there to, to show them that they're not alone and they're not like by themselves and being who they are. I think that's, that's actually a very positive thing. It's a fantastically positive thing. And is that something you look for uh, in scripts when you start to audition for projects? Do you look for that, that diversity and representation? Uh, I don't actually get full scripts of things. So unfortunately, I can't um, look for that specifically. Uh, I, there are times where I'll get a script for, say, a Japanese character, and I'll turn it down because I, I'm not Japanese. So I'm, I'm not going to take that role from someone else who would actually would better fit it because they are and that's their culture and I'm, I'm I'm not about to take that from someone else so in terms of that yes absolutely but unfortunately I don't get to see full scripts of things beforehand so because of that has there ever been a script that you've regretted taking on or auditioning for um I mean no I don't think so there's not much that I've done <laughs> To be honest, um, no. I, everything that I've done, I've been proud of being involved in. And if there comes a time where I can't say that, then I should probably reevaluate what I'm doing. True that. So, what would you like to achieve next in your career? Uh, I'd like to do more um, on-screen roles. I, I really enjoy voice acting. It's actually where I find my my mo- more passion. Oh gosh, that was an awful sentence. Um, I definitely prefer doing voiceover work because it it does allow for me to have such like vibrant characters. Whereas on screen stuff, I feel I will be definitely categorized into into one little kind of area. Um, but I still really enjoy doing more on screen work. Well, fingers crossed that listeners get to see you on screen more soon. But for Australian listeners, they can see you in person at uh, at Supernova in Adelaide and Brisbane this November. What do you find enjoyable about doing convention appearances? I love meeting everybody. I love meeting everyone from all over the world. It's really such a, a humbling and grounding experience to, to meet so many different kinds of people. And, and the fact that there are people who are in like Paris and, and Australia and New Zealand and Germany and Brazil and, and everywhere that are fans of the show and fans of Blake specifically um, is really, really such a nice feeling because it, it makes me feel like I'm doing something right, that I'm, I'm creating this character for other people to enjoy. So what's, uh, what's the, the one thing, because you get to spend a bit of time here in Australia, what's the one thing you're looking forward to doing most in our fine country? Uh, this is going to be the lamest answer in the world, but I cannot wait to get my hands on Woolies chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like that's the most unique answer to that question I've ever heard in, in hundreds of yeah. years. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done Supernova. This will be my fourth time doing it. And my boyfriend's actually Australian. He's from um, 
just outside of Melbourne. So I've spent a good chunk of time in Australia, and I've just come to know that I love Woolies chicken. <laughs> and I need it in my life, and I miss it, so I'm very excited for it. Well, I, I assure you we'll have plenty of, of Woolies chickens here for you in Adelaide and <laughs> Brisbane uh, at Supernova in November, and you'll be there along with a, a, a ton of other guests um, in, including for listeners of this show, me. So um, it's going to be a wonderful couple of weekends. We can't wait to have you out here. Thank you so much for your time yeah. today. Thank you. Very nice chatting with you. That was the lovely Aaron Zek. Now here is my chat with Drake Bell. You'd know him from Nickelodeon's Drake and Josh, which had a, a huge cultural impact. And he's also going to be appearing at Supernova in Adelaide and Brisbane. But he also voices Spider-Man for one of the animated Marvel series. It was a great joy to talk to him over the phone the other week, so here is my chat with Drake Bell. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today, Drake. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, what inspired you to pursue a career in the performance industry? Oh, I mean, I just grew up loving it, you know, and, and I started at a really young age, and uh, I just really loved... Um, you know, I, I grew up watching Elvis and Jerry uh, Lewis and Dean Martin with Evan Costello and all the old classics, like, you know, and I just would uh, try to impersonate them and make voices and do funny stuff around the house. And my dad got me into Little League, and I just cared more about, you know, making the kids laugh in the dugout than getting out there and playing baseball. So he thought, uh, he oh, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe baseball's not his thing. Maybe we should try and see if there's something in you know, the performing arts world. And then uh, we kind of just, it was a shot in the dark and we just tried it and, and then just worked and worked at it. And, and obviously you started at quite a young age with appearances on, you know, the Drew Carey show and you were even in High Fidelity. Did you do a lot of training to get up to that point or were you learning a lot on the sets that you were working on? I mean, pretty much both, but mostly on set. And I, I would, you know, we, we did some training and, and I took a lot of, I took acting classes and stuff like that, but most of what I've learned is, is all just, you know, through actually working. And was there one person or experience that you would say you learned a lot from or really affected your career going forward? <clears throat> um, I mean, so many people. I mean, I've just been doing it for so long. I couldn't really pinpoint one specific person. Um... You know, a lot of my time on Nickelodeon, a lot of my time uh, making the films that I've made, a lot of different people. It's an accumulation, really, of so many people that I've worked with. Of course. And obviously Drake and Josh was the show that uh, sort of propelled you to an, a different level of notoriety. When you first, when that show first started, did you predict or could you ever envisage how popular it would become? No, we, we had no clue. I mean, when we when we were making it, you know, we were just another show on Nickelodeon, and and uh, you know, we had no idea what the impact on uh, you know generations would have. It's crazy. It's really cool. And obviously, that show has you know thousands and thousands of fans. What's one of the strangest experiences you've ever had with a fan? I get that question a lot, but I haven't really had a strange experience yet, luckily. 
certainly. And um, you've also been a musician for a number of years now. When did music first start to play a role in uh, your career goals? Um, I mean, pretty early on as well, you know, it was kind of good and simultaneously. Uh, Jeff and Josh just allowed me to bring it into the public sphere, you know, because I was able to play my music on the show and write all the music for the show and write the theme song for the show. Um, so it's pretty much simultaneously, but I, I guess during Drake and Josh and uh, it was, was, a, was when I was able to really bring it to the view of the public, I think. And how would you describe the style of music that you make? Uh, it's just pop rock and all. Yeah. Fair enough. And now you've got some new music out, and I know that you've been touring as well. So uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, new music. you are also coming to, uh, to Adelaide and Brisbane uh, with Supernova Pop Culture Expo uh, in November. What are you looking forward to most about that? Well, I haven't been to Australia for a long time. I haven't been down there since, I think, 2010. Um, I was down there for Kids' Choice Awards and when I was uh, promoting some of my other records. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm just excited. And I, and I was only in Sydney, so I'm, I'm excited to... Uh, come out there to some areas that I've never been before and, uh, and, and I'm going to be there for a lot more time. I was only there for about two or three days so I saw basically nothing. So this will really be my first, real first time uh, you know, spending, spending some time there. So uh, I'm just excited to, you know, travel. I love to travel and meet new people and see new places. And a convention something you've done a lot of before? Yeah, yeah, they're a lot of fun. You know, you get to meet the bands and interact with a lot of people and it's, it's cool and obviously one of the the highlights and the things people want to talk to you about is voicing uh, Peter Parker on Ultimate Spider-Man talk yeah. to me a little bit about taking on that iconic role yeah I mean uh, being Spider-Man was awesome it's like you know you you grew up reading the comic books and watching the cartoons and the movies and all of that and then all of a sudden you're watching it into your voice it's, it's, it's amazing it's really really cool now I know a lot of other voice actors I've spoken to have uh, said how strenuous some of those long days especially on shows that have action sequences like Spider-Man did you find uh, recording the dialogue a bit of a vocal strain? Um, no I mean that stuff that stuff comes pretty no I mean not, not really uh you know, the, the sessions are pretty simple. I always say it's a lot easier when you're just in a room and, you know, nobody's, you're not worried about how you look or anything. So, um, and vocally, I mean, as long as you know what you're doing, you, know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't strain your voice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's more, more so it's just a lot of fun, you know. It's, uh, it's not, not, not strenuous at all. It's more, it's just fun. You get to be, you know, you're in a room with all of these amazing other actors and, and, and these voices that you grew up with. I mean, these, the people who come to be on the show, you're just like, 
you know, oh man, I, he was on that show and he was on that show and I grew up with that voice. And, uh, yeah, so it's just, a, it's just a lot of fun. It certainly sounds like it. Now, if you could choose any performer to work with in, in the world, who would you most like to collaborate with? I mean, probably Paul McCartney would be, like, the dream come true. Absolutely. Now, we do have to uh, to let you go, but uh, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Uh, um, what advice? I don't know. I would say just whatever it is that you want to do, just work really hard at getting good at that before you try to, you know break into the industry or get famous or do something to, you know, really just practice what you're doing, or, you know, whether it be an instrument or acting or um, whatever it is, you know, just make sure that you, you know, when the time comes and the opportunity presents itself, you can, you know, you, you're better than everybody else, you know, that's all. Well, thank you so much for your wise words and your time today, and we can't wait to see you out here at Supernova this November. Yeah, thank you so much. That was my chat with Drake Bell. Now, as you can hear, the uh, audio quality on that one was a little lower than we are used to. That was because uh, I uh, did that interview on my actual phone uh, while travelling through Sydney. But uh, we did want to bring you that interview with Drake regardless, and just unfortunately the timing had me travelling, so I couldn't get to our studio here to record that. So I hope you still enjoyed the chat with Drake Bell, despite the uh, slightly lower quality. But now a very special treat. Reggie Watts is one of the uh, he's one of the biggest names in improv and comedy and, and music on the planet. He fronts the band on the Late Late Show, and he's been doing that with James Corden uh, since James took over the show a few years ago. Now they're on all the time. Um, you know they're on four nights a week, I think, uh, for for most of the year. You can watch the Late Late Show on uh, on CBS, and uh, they've come up with such great ideas as Carpool Karaoke, and obviously the show itself is hugely popular. Now Reggie is going to be in Australia. Doing some, uh, doing some completely improvised comedy music shows in November. He's going to be in, uh, in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane. So uh, there's, a, there's a link in the show notes where you can go and uh, see Reggie's dates because it's going to be a great tour. I'm just, I'm disappointed it didn't, uh, didn't get down to Adelaide. But uh, Reggie's going to talk to me uh, right now. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with the incredible Reggie Watts. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. Now, Reggie, what inspired you to pursue a career in the performance industry? Um, let me think. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, 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 guess, I guess it started when I was a kid watching cartoons and, uh, you know, being really uh, inspired by things like Sesame Street and, um, you know, Charo and, you know, shows from the 70s. So, uh I just was, I was always performing. So for me, you know, get, entering or being a part of drama or being a part of um, music, uh, the music programs and or putting on my own plays and things like that. That's what I've always been doing it. So I guess I, I, guess I never really thought of it as like, you know, pursuing the career so much as just continuing what I was interested in. And what steps did you take to make your career or your dreams sort of come true? How did you break into the industry? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I guess I just, you know, when I first moved from Montana to Seattle, there was some music scene happening. 
Um, you know, I moved there in 1990, so it was just before grunge got really huge. And, um, and really all I did was just kept play, playing with people and, uh, you know, being someone that people, you know, tend, tended to not be annoyed by. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, people, because of that and, you know, having some talent and what I did, you know, I would start to get hired for things. So it was really just kind of a chain reaction of, of doing things, but also, you know, manifesting things too, like creating shows and uh, uh, working on ideas and um, trying to make those come to fruition and working with other people, being collaborative. So it's just kind of like an ongoing interest that just leads me to wherever I end up. And obviously you're a musician, you're a comedian, you've done acting. What is the number one thing? What's your favorite art to work in? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I like all of them, but I guess if I had to just pick one, probably, you know, music or electronic music would be the thing I could settle with if that's all I had. <laughs> now, your live shows are completely improvised, and that's a, a fairly unique approach to performance. When did you decide that was something that you wanted to explore? Um, that was... Uh, ever since probably starting at 16, when I used to do my piano recitals, I, I started you know, asking a teacher if I could improvise uh, because I it just it just was easier for me than to the stress of having to learn something and memorize it. Uh, it was just it just made me so nervous and uncomfortable that it felt better for me to to improvise. So starting then was the basis of it. I definitely would like, I mess with structure and things like that, but I would always improvise within the structure. So that, that's kind of where it started and I just continued it. Have you ever, ever had a show that just didn't work? You couldn't find the groove between yourself and the audience? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would, yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, there definitely been, uh, there was a few times, well, once, especially that I remember is in Amsterdam, I, I had a huge, uh, I had an edible that was like twice as strong as I thought it was going to be. And so I was really, really stoned performing on stage and it just was not good <laughs> at all. And, uh, I went on way too long. I went on for half an hour too long and I just couldn't figure out how to, how to tap into the things that make my shows entertaining at all. Um, so it was an interesting experience. Not, but aside from streets like that, I, they might not. I'll have shows that aren't as optimal, but usually they're usually they're okay because I'm always fighting to, you know, uh, make sure the audience is taken care of. Of course, and obviously you've been to places all over the world to perform. Where's your favorite or the most unique place you've ever got to perform? Uh, maybe Alice Springs. No, just kidding. Uh, well, I'm a loop. No, I I I think probably. Hmm. Well, I, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy performing in, in Germany, uh, in Berlin has been really, really fun. Um, just cause it's a, it's a mixture of so many things I love, uh, in one city or in one country. Um, so I don't know, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll go with uh, Berlin. Fair enough. And you're perhaps most well-known for fronting the band on The Late Late Show with James Corden. How did that opportunity eventuate for you? Uh, that was, sheesh. yeah, I guess, well, it was pretty pretty weird. I, I, I just quit Comedy Bang Bang, which is another TV show I was doing for uh, IFC, 
And uh, I just quit that job, and then I got approached by James uh, to meet up. And I'd never met him before. I didn't know who he was, but we met at a hotel, and he told me that he was looking for a band leader, and he was interested in me being a part of that. And that was kind of it. I just kind of deliberated for a month to make sure it was something I wanted to do because it was a big time commitment. I had to move. So um, that's kind of how it happened. It was just really casual. I just got a call one day from my manager saying, oh, this guy wants to meet you. And that was kind of it. And as you said, it's a huge time commitment. You guys are on most of the year. Can you take us through an average day on set for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I get there uh, usually around, I don't know, 4.30. And uh, we tape at 5 o'clock. So I'll go through makeup. Um, put on my uh, my in-ear monitors so they can hear everything and then my jacket and then I walk over to the band and we jam a little bit with the audience there and then then James comes out. Uh, we, I mean, the top of the show happens and then we just, we do the show uh, and then the show ends and, uh, you know, I do my little performance at the end and that's it. So what's the preparation? Is there anything that really happens before 4.30 p.m. from your point of view? No. Um, I, I made sure that uh, that I just... Everyone knows now in the show that the least amount of information I know about the show, the better. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know what the monologue's about. Uh, I don't even really know who the guests are. I just kind of get up on the bandstand, and then we just... The show starts, and that's how we do it. If there's an extra bit, like a sketch that I'm in, obviously I'll be in that sketch, and you know, be reading off the teleprompters. Um, but that's not that's not that often. So most of the time, it's just uh, super simple in the moment uh, show. Fantastic. And who's been your favorite guest on the show? Uh, I always like it when Ben Schwartz shows up. He's just such a brilliant improviser. Um, he's just got great energy. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, oh, who's the guy that surprised me? He's a sports guy. Really, really funny. Um, I can't, I can't remember right now, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's always really delightful people that are kind of chaotic and kooky. And, um, you know, I, I tend to like those kinds of, those guests that are just having a good time and know that the situation is ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, Kristen Shaw is always a great guest. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, I guess he had, I guess The Rock was on once, and he was really cool. He was super chill. Um, great guest. Yeah, I know, th- those are some of them. But uh, usually, yeah, people that are just a little bit more playful and uh, sincere, That's those are the best guests. Of course. And and you've now been working in the entertainment industry for a while. How do you think it's evolved since you first started professionally working? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's, well, I mean, you know, the, the, the path that I took was through, I guess I started through music, even though I was doing drama and things like that, but I was, I was doing music and I saw how music changed, you know, with the advent of digital uh uh, digitizing music and uh, labels being confused over how they can make you know money and Napster and all that stuff and um, kind of going through that living through that music industry existential crisis that happened in the 90s um, 
you know, and just kind of see, and that's actually because of that, it kind of led me to think like, Oh, how am I going to make a living? And that's where I started focusing on comedy again. Um, and, uh, and that led me to New York and, you know, I, I don't, in, in some ways it's, it's changed, but it hasn't changed a lot in the sense that, you know, there's still live shows. There's still, you still pitch ideas to some kind of a production company or an entity that can make your idea come true or, you know, you figure it out on your own. Um, the digital landscape has definitely enhanced the, the mediums or the, 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 the avenues that you can use to um, communicate to fans. So that's a little bit different. The immediacy is a little bit more different and uh, access, just access to fans is much, much more direct or it's as direct as you want it to be as an artist. So that's, that's changed, but live shows are still pretty much the same. They haven't really changed. It's pretty, that's a good thing. They're just always pretty much the same basic mechanics. And speaking of live shows, you are returning to Australia for shows in November. What can audiences over here expect? Well, uh, what should they expect? I guess, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I guess they can expect me to show up at the venue. And, and then I, I will promise to perform in some way that hopefully they find enjoyable. That's my biggest hope. Well, that does sound great. Now, Reggie, before we let you go, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Um, I, I would say, you know, understand why you're why you're pursuing it, you know. And if the and if and if you ask yourself that, and the answer isn't somewhere in the ballpark of I'd be doing this anyways, whether I was being paid or not, um, that's a strong indicator of you know why you would want to be doing it. Because really, it's it's not about it's it's really things like recognition or fame or success, monetary success, those types of things. Those are byproducts of your honoring your ability to be um, uh, truthful and respectful to your own creativity. So without the the interest of wanting to do this thing, whether whether you have the means to do it or not, or whether you're famous or not, or whether you're successful or not, that's really the key because it's just about having fun. So. You know, if you focus on having fun, then good things will happen from you, you know, focusing on that. Well, Reggie, thank you so much for your wise words and your time today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and all the best with your Australian tour later this year. Yeah, man. Can't wait to be back. That was my chat with Reggie Watts. Thanks to all three of our incredible guests. It has been a really fun show today. Now, as I said, Supernova is coming up. And I'll be there, Adelaide and Brisbane, along with uh, Aaron and Drake, as well as some incredible other guests. Come and check it out. First two weekends of November, weekend one is Adelaide, weekend two is Brisbane. Now, also, very exciting news. The uh, the final instalment of the Phoenix Files audio drama series, starring uh, BAFTA nominee and, and Doctor Who himself, Paul McGann, comes out November 30th. However, you can pre-order it right now on, on iTunes, Amazon and Google Play. It's called The Phoenix Files, Life in the Flames. And if you haven't checked out uh, The Phoenix Files, Man in the Shadows or Blood in the Ashes, the first two installments, which also have the incredible Paul McGann in them, as well as 40 other incredible actors from all over the world, it is the largest audio drama series ever produced in Australia. It's been an honour working on it, and you can, uh, you can just go and listen to that. I'll put some links in the show notes. But also, on, uh, on Halloween, we are releasing the soundtrack album from the series, which also includes songs yet to be heard in the final um, installment of The Phoenix File. Sean Braithwaite, an incredible musician, who uh, some of you may know from Gemini Downs, has worked tirelessly 
to uh, compose completely original music for the Phoenix Files audio dramas. And it, it sounds incredible. It's been properly mastered and everything. It, it's, it's a beautiful soundtrack album. I, I just listened to it before coming into the studio today to record this. You are going to love it. There's 13 tracks, including obviously the, uh, the theme from the Phoenix Files, which I know we've played on the show before. Uh, and you can hear it in the trailer. There are, yeah, 13 songs. It takes you on a real musical journey. And uh, it has been ordered specifically so that uh, you kind of go on that emotional ride with, uh, with our characters, obviously, without hearing it. So, yeah, go and get The Phoenix Files, Man in the Shadows, and Blood in the Ashes if you haven't already. Then uh, the soundtrack album, also available for pre-order. Get that on October 31st. And then the final Phoenix Files, Life in the Flames, November 30th. Exactly one year after the first one came out. It's been a hell of a year. So, uh, so go and go and listen to that. But we will be back with more interviews, uh, with another interview anyway, at least at least one more uh, this month in October, and uh, then uh, a couple more shows in November, and that will be it for the uh, the, the fifth season of Talk to Me. Uh, we will be wrapping up in November before uh, the holiday season, but it's going to be an incredible few podcasts before then, and then we will be back next year in our sixth season, which is uh, something truly scary to say. Who uh, who knew that uh, over. 70-something episodes, we'll still be talking to people. Over 100 and something guests on this show already. 70 episodes. It's been great. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can follow me over on Twitter at BenjaminMM underscore, or I'm on Instagram, BenjaminMayamKay, and also on Facebook, uh, BenjaminMayamKay. Look for the little verified blue check mark to make sure you're actually following me. It has been great having you all here today. Thanks once again to Aaron, Drake, and Reggie. See you next time.